0: So I uh, met Andy Matzner at Reader Studio when I was there in April this year, and um, I can tell you that he was a total delight, and uh, I just really couldn't wait to get him on the podcast at some point and continue our conversation and really kind of dig into um, what's always an ongoing theme for me, which is um, finding the balance or finding my place between uh, psychology, uh, therapy approaches, predictive reading, and, um, you know, working with the cards in all the different ways that I do. Um, so, uh, I'm super happy with having had the chance to hang out with Andy and record this, and I hope you really enjoy it. Welcome to the Hermit's Lamp podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor. And with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, a tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts, or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes and download them all directly that way. So just before the podcast starts, I want to mention that if you're looking to uh, deepen uh, your practice around reading the cards, uh, there is a growing A series of uh, recorded classes, uh, streaming videos, uh, take them on your own time uh, kind of courses uh, on the Tarot de Marseille, on the Toth deck, and a foundations class for people who are just looking to round out their practice. All of these classes include uh, some of the most amazing teachers uh, from all around the world uh, and, of course, myself as well. Um, So if you're interested in taking some courses, uh, especially as the summer is rolling around, maybe you're going to find some time on your hand and want to play with the cards more, please uh, go to thehermitslamp.com and just click on the learning tab to uh, check out all the courses as well as any live upcoming events that are on their way to you. So, welcome to another episode of the Hermit's Lamp Podcast. Uh, I'm here today with Andy Metzner. And uh, Andy is a uh, a counselor and a a psychotherapist and uh, a tarot card reader. And, you know, I I met Andy when I was in Reader's Studio and we had some wonderful conversations about uh, life and what it's like to help people and work with other people for a living. Um, and And I wanted to have him on to sort of discuss some of these ideas about, you know, what, what is it, you know, the perennial question that comes up here on this podcast a fair bit, what can we learn from psychology? What can we bring into uh, tarot from that? You know, how can we uh, learn tools that are useful, you know, but also, you know, respect the, the boundaries and limits uh, set on us by uh, the tarot reading structure, by the, uh, by the ways in which the client's, come to us and what they're actually asking for and all, all these kinds of things. So I thought uh, it would be great to have Andy on and sort of continue to this conversation and, and dig in a little deeper and share it with people. So, but, uh, you know, seeing as everybody might not know who you are, Andy, maybe you can give us a, a quick introduction.
1: Ah, well, thank you. What a pleasure to be here. So very grateful. And um, it's interesting, you know, that, that quote, I think it's J.R.R. R. Tolkien's quote, not, not all who wander are lost kind of feel like I have such a strange journey because um, I've got a master's in Greek and Latin and uh, originally I was going to teach Greek Greek and or Latin Um, but I ended up uh, going to Japan and teaching English and um, I again coming back to the States and planning on becoming a teacher Um, but then my partner we ended up moving to a small town in Southwest Virginia, and wasn't able to teach ESL at that point, and decided to go into social work Um, because I'd I'd always been interested in human development, human potential. Um, So ended up getting a master's in social work. Um, Ended up becoming a a psychotherapist, and just uh, kind of during my downtime at at my first job as a case manager, found Joan Bunnings. Online tarot course, and I spent a lot of the free time that I had getting back into tarot. Originally, I had stayed away from tarot because I thought it was too complicated. I don't know what book I would picked up years before, but I thought, "Oh man, there's no way I could do this." Um, but it was a great, I guess, uh, convergence of of me experiencing it with with Joan in you know text wise being a great teacher. But uh, getting into mental health, you know, think, you know meeting people. I, I have a lot of experience working with people with serious mental illnesses, schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, personality disorder, stuff. Um, so thinking about, you know, what it means to be human, what, what it means to be mentally healthy or mentally ill. Um, so at the same time, really learning a lot about that, um, really getting into tarot. And, and so, started reading tarot. Um, then I ended up working a lot uh, because gender issues are very close to my heart. And so I started serving the transgender community in Southwest Virginia, which again, this idea of uh, of honesty with ourselves, you know, being our authentic selves, and then tarot kind of cutting right to the core of that. Um, but all that to say, I've done. I've I've been fortunate where I've I've been able to kind of develop myself as a tarot reader. But when it comes to mental health, you know, I've got a small private practice, but I, uh, to keep myself flexible in terms of my schedule, I've done a whole lot of different, or I do a whole lot of different um, things in the mental health world, like uh, doing in-home work, doing assessments, teaching. I teach psychology at a community college um, and gender studies as well at another uh, university. Um, So I teach. I also do court work for when people get committed to psychiatric wards, so I'm part of that world, um, and do a lot of workshops, that sort of thing, um, work with people who've been convicted of DUIs, so do, run those groups um, for people who are court-ordered, so I do a lot of different things.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. So no, anyway, Jack, kind Jack of jack-of-all-trades, sort of
0: thing. That's awesome. Um, so which, uh, out of curiosity, which deck did you start with?
1: So, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people where I started with uh, the Waite Smith, mm-hmm. like, you know, the writer Waite, the Waite Smith, and I just, I fell in love with Pamela Coleman Smith. Um, um, I think, I don't know, um, there's something about her artwork that really grabbed me. Um, and I would say, and the other deck that I love is the Gaian. Mm-hmm guy in tarot um and those are but there's something I don't know there's something about Pamela's artwork that just grabs me and it's the easiest deck for me to read with um I like the guy in tarot because I feel it's the most for me it's the most diverse Mm -hmm. that I found as far as age and gender and ethnicity Um, I really like that um But I feel like I've just, I've never, I've tried, I've tried to use other decks because I'm a collector of all sorts of things. But I've never got into collecting really other decks because I just, there's something about Pamela's artwork that I just love. Mm. Uh, How about you? What was the first deck you started with? Uh,
0: I started with the Mythic Tarot. Okay. Yeah. Um, You know, I was was out at a mall and it was, it had just come out. So it was like in the the front of the, the, you know, local mall. Yeah, yeah, book bookstores and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, that's the one that I started with. But uh, I I liked it, but at the same time that I found it, I also found Alistair Crowley's writings. Mm-hmm. Um, his, not his book, or sorry, not his deck, but his books. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started reading his stuff amongst many other things, yeah. and uh, that made me really hungry for to find his deck, which eventually I got. So and once yeah. I got that, I was like, that's yeah. it. There are there is no other tarot deck but this one, you know. <laughs> so.
1: That's so cool. I mean, isn't that funny how that works? Like, I think that's the beauty of of the you know thousands of decks is that no matter who we are, mm-hmm. one or more that really resonate. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. That's yeah, cool. I mean, it's uh, you know I've I've got a whole shtick now when people come in and like I need a tarot deck and I'm like great what what would you like and they're like I have no idea I'm like all right. You know, you take them through this process of like, well, do you like historical things or contemporary things? Do yeah. you like, you know, and you can sort of start paring it down and, and then sooner or later they will hit something that I'll show them something. They'll be like, mm-hmm. yes, this is, this is the thing. Right. And you know, that's yeah, awesome. it's all about that art and so on.
1: Yeah. That's cool. You're kind of like a midwife. You kind of, I mean, it's neat that you have that. I mean, I didn't know any better as far when I first started and just the Rider Waite was, you know, I went down to my local bookstore and, and got it. But uh, it's neat, someone in your position where you can kind of shepherd somebody through that process.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's really fun, you know, and it's it's great to see people get excited and you know, there's often this moment where um, you know some they see something and you just see their eyes just kind of like open up a little a little bigger and they sparkle a little bit and you're like, cool. I see, we've got a winner! Awesome, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So, um, how much how much do these sort of uh, two sides of things. I mean, I don't right. see them as two sides per se, but for, for the point mm-hmm. of the question, you know, yeah. how, how much do these, you know, how much does the, the, the therapist and, and, you know, uh, social worker side come over into reading the cards when you're, when you're reading the cards for people?
1: Yeah. And that's a great question. I mean, I, you know, honestly, cause ther- therapy is interesting. You know, I, as a talk therapist, I feel that if I had to do it over again, I probably would have um, become a yoga teacher or, or done some sort of body work. I feel that talk, I mean, I, I've got some clients who they just want somebody to listen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? um, and, and that's fine. You know, I think sometimes we need another person who's going to not judge us and who's just going to listen to us, you know, talk about what we need to talk about. But I often feel like so many of our issues are in our bodies that combining talk with some sort of body Something body-wise, it can be really important. But that being said, what I when I have clients and living in Southwest Virginia, I don't have too many of them. But but when I do, what I what I love about combining tarot with kind of the therapeutic process is, I would say a lot of and again, kind of in a roundabout way to answer your question. I mean, what I've learned becoming a therapist and what I found true myself is that a lot of times we know. The truth like we know the answer already and because of fear because of the the cost of actually acknowledging the truth or living the truth right because that cost is we believe is too high we ignore it um and so it it manifests in other ways like through symptoms you know depression anxiety or it manifests physically and what i love about tarot i mean i and, and i'm i mean i love it's easy for me to do an hour reading, you know, or, or a two hour reading, you know, I can go as deep as somebody wants to go, but I've also found, I don't know if you found this in your experience, but often, as soon as somebody picks that first card, the answer is there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, it, and it's almost like, and honestly, I've often, I've never, I've done this occasionally, but I've, I've often thought that my role ideally takes only two minutes where that person picks the card and then there's there's that question associated with the card which boils down to this card is reaffirming what you already know to be true what do you need to do to gain the courage now to act on on this truth mm-hmm. and, and I, I feel like the tarot it, it's amazing to me that and again i would be curious your thoughts people will pick the same card you know over and over and over again um, and it, it's like the tarot immediately cuts to the chase. So, so as a therapist, and again, it's, you know, some people want their hour, you know? And, and maybe the hour is spent talking about how to figure out how to access that courage to act on what the card is saying you need to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't know, a lot of times I feel like the card's simply cut to the chase. And, and so therapeutically, that's, that's the issue right, is cutting to the chase. I mean, it could take me hours just talking to someone to get there. I feel like tarot is much more efficient.
2: Hmm.
1: So, I mean, I don't know. I could. I. I have strong feelings. Therapy, you know, therapy is, um, again, when, when we talk, if we don't have like that, that third, you know, you've got the therapist and the client or the tarot reader and the client. The beautiful thing about the tarot reader is we've got that third entity in the room, you know, the deck.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that I think that if it's just two people, that can kind of get in the way, in other words, people are going to tell me what they want me to hear, yeah, you know consciously or unconsciously, um yeah, and you know just picking that card immediately cuts through a lot of the crap <laughs> you know
0: yeah it's one of those things you know i remember I remember doing a reading really recently for somebody where you know they they were you know there's always this sort of interesting. Uh, contradiction that happens right they show up, they look confident, they look put together, uh-huh. their question is clear it 's about an area of their life where where at least in theory they they are in control or they should be in control and um you know and and the the cards that show up speak of like crippling anxiety, you know you. basically like just a sort of like you know all, all these all these swords and all kind of pointed internally right. Yeah. And uh, you know, and so then, like sometimes, sometimes I totally get what you mean, right? You know, someone will sit down, and I'll be like, "So, this isn't working for you, you know, or whatever, right?" Like blah, and and then we can go from there, and they they be like, "Yeah, you're right," and you know, whatever. And then sometimes you have these, these situations where that that material that issue is so buried, right? And. Okay you know and in this particular case that i was talking about you know the the our hour together was a um you know started with a i think there's something over there what, what, do, you, what do you think you know and then it was like this sort of you know i, I don't know that it was literally every five minutes but it, it felt like every five minutes we just like surface back and you know and and, and then they would like admit it and then counter it. And then, you know, like back and forth. And, and then I'd be like, okay, yeah, but, but when you said this, you know, it just doesn't sound very confident, right. you know, and, and I, I, I don't know what came of that for them in their lives, you know, because they haven't been back, Uh you know, cause it was at first, it was only a few weeks ago and, you know, and secondly, well, we'll see if they come back. Right. But, right. It, but it was this very, very interesting thing where, what became very apparent to both of us by the end of the time, and whether they, as as you say, have the courage or the strength or the capacity to to deal with it, is an, is maybe another issue. But uh, was that there were things in their lives that were, you know, just eroding their their self their self love and their you know whatever, and causing all these problems. Um, but they they felt like they had no options to change them, and therefore they were doing this other thing, right? So you know, it's it's a very interesting sort of the way in which these dialogues can happen. And the cards, especially, like you said, the cards were super helpful in that because, you know, I could just be like, yeah, but this... uh it's Ten of swords here, you know it's kind of a problem it's not a good card, you know it's you know this is a card that speaks about you know this and and then we, yeah well, you know i I see what you're saying, but you know with this everything's kind of sitting on this ten of swords over here what's let's, let's go back to that you know and yeah, yeah it, it's a fascinating process because you do have that external thing you know which i mean obviously there are other structures you can try to try on a person but yeah it's, it's yeah. very interesting, yeah. yeah
1: yeah it's neat i mean it's and it is true that right kind of that the therapeutic process or tower reading process is going to be different for everybody, and you know, everyone's going to have their own journey mm-hmm. to to doing the sort of healing they need to do, but I think you know therapy i'm really a big fan of Jungian mm-hmm. therapy you know in, in real depth psychology, this idea of you know, talking about the soul and it's kind of ironic because I, I teach abnormal psychology and the first thing I tell them is, you know, the assignment is, look up the etymology of psychology or, you know, psychotherapist and, you know, psyche is, is soul, right? And yet everything's all about brain chemistry now. You know, I'm depressed. I need to, you know, my my brain chemistry is unbalanced and all this. So I think it's, you know, as a therapist, there's always a flavor of the month as far as, you know, this is, this is the technique that's going to help people be cu- not even heal, but, you know, be cured, whether it's mm-hmm. mindfulness or cognitive behavioral therapy or hypnosis or, you know, all really cool stuff that might work for some people. Um, but I'm, what I think is interesting is, you know, sometimes we're like with the person that you saw, right? Sometimes we're not ready to go all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, right, we, we've got these blocks where, because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of how we were raised really has an impact on how we see the world. Mm -hmm. Our relationships with mom and dad or our caregivers, you know, whoever was raising us, you know, um, single parent, I mean, whoever the partners are, um, gay couples, you know, whoever. The dynamics that we had as kids with our caregivers, I think, really influence how we see the world. And so sometimes that is something that we have to deal with before we can move forward. So, you know, so it's easy to know, or it can be easy to know, like, okay, I need to be, you know, honoring this part of myself.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But, and knowing that consciously, but then encountering a lot of, like, self-sabotage, right, is an easy example. Yeah. Uh, Because we haven't dealt with things that we experienced, you know, growing up. Um, either not getting enough love from a caregiver or being smothered or, you know, a million things. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, but I, you know, therapy is, I don't know, being a therapist. And I know people talk about, you know, using tarot therapeutically. It's, um, I mean, I'm, I actually think that tarot card readers have maybe a bit more freedom you know, I don't take insurance as a therapist, and, and certainly people who do, you know, insurance is very limiting in terms of what you can do and how you can do it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, there's that shamanic piece that we've lost as, as therapists that when I work with tarot, I feel like we can tap more into because of the symbolism on the cards
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and what the, you know, kind of the messages. Of, you know, you kind of go into a different space when you're working. And again, not... Because I feel like there's such a, a divide between, you know, say, doing therapeutic work and being a tarot reader. And, you know, it it depends on whether, you know, you're telling someone their future, you know, that kind of reader. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, this is going to happen to you. um, And when versus, you know, one that's more, let's say, a co-creating of a reading. And what does this mean for you? And I think, I don't know, being more, for me, being more concerned about, well, what's the soul? You know, what's going on with your soul? Mm Mm-hmm. I just feel like the symbolism in the cards, I mean, I, I, as a therapist, I prefer to do that kind of work, you know? Um,
0: yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting. You know, I, um, I have a a good friend who's a, uh, uh, well, who's now, uh, a psychotherapist. Um, -hmm. but I studied, uh, peer counseling with them Uh long, long ago and far away at this point in time. And, um, you know, we still get together, uh, you know, Pretty much every month, um, you know, with me and my partner and their partner, and we take whatever time we have, and we, you know, go back to that peer counseling model of, you know, sitting with the other people, and we're all, you know, basically working on whatever we bring to the space to work on, right? Yeah. And um, you know, I think that uh, it's fascinating because, you know, he has a he has a background in sort of. Um, the the allergies and environmental allergies and some of those kinds of things Mm. and you know and sort of seeing the way in which those things impact people and change stuff and then you know having recently uh gone through and got his uh psychotherapy accreditation you know it's really fascinating to talk about where where all these different pieces lie right because depending on you know which hat you have on will really determine you know which thing and yeah, you know, which, which, uh, which space you're you're going to see and where you're going to draw those lines. And, you know, the interesting thing about, uh, you know, psychotherapy is, is I was talking with them the other day about the ongoing work that I do with people, which is, um, you know, depending on the person, but often quite, uh, magical and, you know, certainly very informed by Young's work, um, but also by my background in, you know, ceremonial magic and other things as Mm -hmm. well right so there's there's this place where it's like okay you know um you know as one of my teachers put it he's like you know the the best uh the best approach is to treat it like um chinese medicine does which is we're not looking for a diagnosis that we can label it we're looking to fix the problem you know And so that's kind of often my approach. And so, anyways, I went and I was talking with my friend Bruce, who I had on the podcast previously, and we were talking about. Uh, and I was like, "Well, but what about where? Where are the? How do how do you know when someone needs that medicine, right? How do you know, you know, right?" And uh, because because in my mind, despite having you know read a lot of stuff and talked to a lot of people about it and whatever, I, I was I was running around thinking there was some objective line there somewhere. And, uh, and he just looked at me and started laughing. He's like, nobody knows, man. Nobody knows. Everybody will tell you that they know. And for yeah. them and their practice, they do. But yeah. if you start lining all those up somehow in some big fancy 3D model, you're going to see that it is so, you know, yeah. overlapping and shifting, right? So,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, and I think a lot of it also depends on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And it doesn't matter whether you're a, a card reader or you know, an MD or, you know, a doctor, a medical doctor or a therapist. It's almost like for me, a huge part of the healing process, no matter what the tools are, is going to be the relationship, and you know, how comfortable each person is feeling with the other person, how safe each person is feeling. And, and you're right. I think, you know, therapists would love to be taken seriously as somehow, and especially psychiatrists, right? They want to be seen as you know, scientific and you know not not being so- you know soft science mm-hmm. science and um again I, I i feel like it is hard to generalize because everyone's own healing path is is going to be so different and it it gets fraught big i mean there's so many issues right there's an ethical issue mm-hmm. because maybe i'm not i'm not the right person to treat you, but this is my livelihood <laughs> so right there's a financial incentive for me to work with a person-
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but then also, um, you know, that idea of I'm going to see the client through my own lenses. And and I've had that before when I've been on the receiving end of, of different people where I'm, I might have, or my situation might have reminded them of their own situation or past situation. So now they're, you know, they're interacting with me, not really listening to where I'm coming from, but they've, you know, they feel like they already know because they've been through something similar to themselves. Hmm. So I think, I mean, just talking about being a healer, because I, I, I hate the fact that we've got everything all split up, you know, into, you know, you've got, you know, a nutritionist and this is all, you know, nutrition absolutely relates, can relate to mental health. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then like with your friend, with the environmental, you know, allergens and that sort of thing. I mean, we've got all these different pieces and I feel I mean that was my biggest disappointment becoming a therapist is that you know the focus was on just one piece of the pie um and i mean i i find a lot of the work now i do is very much you know nutritionally based right and i didn't you know we, we never talked about oh having a magnesium deficiency causes you know can cause anxiety mm-hmm. so you want to check out your client's diet um but i think it's i don't know i mean it's almost like I almost feel scattered because when it comes to just the you know healing or, or somebody you know doing their own work, whether they're seeing a reader or seeing a therapist, um, I really there's something attractive to me about about like the shamanistic model where you know there was one person who um, who wore a lot of hats, but depending on what that person needed, you know they were able to adjust. It's like a, a lot of people I know if uh, you know if you have a hammer or you know that's yeah. all you have, everything looks like a nail yeah you know, I know people if they've done a ton of training and spent a lot of money in learning you know cognitive behavioral psychology or um, or hypnosis or you know you know mindfulness training you know whatever it is, and then of course that's going to be the lens through which they see their client, even though that it might not be the best way to uh, be with their client mm-hmm. um, which is why again I, I like. I like using the cards because often using that card, like I said before, kind of as that third entity in the room, that provides, I mean, that gives me a good idea, right? That often prevents me from kind of incorporating preconceived notions mm-hmm. that, will, you know, in, in a session. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. and I think that, um, you know, as a reader, you know, or I, I certainly advocate that people be familiar with the not not just the fact that people might need a a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but also like some of the different kinds of models. You know, I I often I often find myself having conversations with people where it goes something like this. You know, you you really might want to work on this, and yeah. and I and I hear that you've been like, you know, seeing a therapist and talking about it. But you know you might want to talk with them or talk with someone else about like a, a behavior like a behavioral therapy like maybe maybe because what the card suggests is maybe you're at this point where digging back and back and back is no longer serving you right maybe it's maybe you're left with the habit but not the thing you know yeah. and if you don't if you don't like that, maybe you should go and talk to a, you know a Buddhist or a mindfulness person and you know maybe you can tackle that and trying to steer people to the to the different kinds of things you know. Because I, I, I feel like they're they're there. and We can see them in the cars if we think about them or aware about them. Then mm-hmm. we can sort of parse that person's problem in a way that's like, you know, whew, they, they haven't even begun to talk about their childhood. They better go sit on the couch and put their feet up and, you know, go back to their earliest
1: memories, you know, or not. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's good. It's good to know what's out there and, and have people figure out what what works for them, without a doubt. And sometimes, I mean, because I know part of maybe even what we're dancing around is, because I know people like um, Katrina Wynn
0: mm-hmm. who
1: are really serious about, you know, card readers are not doing therapy. And um, I know it's funny because a friend and I do workshops for yoga teachers, you know, mental health skills for yoga teachers because yoga teachers typically aren't trained in how to deal with mental health issues that, mm-hmm. especially trauma, PTSD that come out on, you know, on the mat, or, you know, how to avoid triggering somebody, or what do you do if you trigger somebody yeah, and they yeah. you know, have a flashback? Um, so, you know, the irony is I, I don't feel necessarily that all therapists have, you know, any more mental health training <laughs> than, than card readers necessarily in terms of, let's say, what to do when someone has a flashback. Um, but it is, you know, it, it's an interesting idea of, you know, what does therapy even mean? Who should be doing it? Um, you know, what does it look like? How much of what card readers do it is, is therapy, you know, quote-unquote therapy? Um, and I almost wonder, um, because, I mean, all that to say there's no doubt that sometimes, especially for trauma, you mm-hmm. know, especially for PTSD where, you know, having, having a person who has training who really knows how to keep a person safe and and how and, and for me it's almost because again I know so many therapists who fail at this you know it's the idea it doesn't matter whether the person's a therapist or a card reader it's that when a person walks out the door after a session are they open and are they you know has has the clinician or reader opened up something that they haven't closed
2: mm-hmm.
1: now that person is really vulnerable going out into the world or, or does the person does the clinician or reader know how to go into potentially difficult areas, but then before the session's over, close the person back up so that they're safe again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I mean, I never got any training in that as a, as a clinical social worker, you know. So, you know, the, the idea of, of that sort of basic kind of trauma-informed training, whether it's for card readers or for therapists, I think is really, really important, especially because there's so much trauma
0: yeah out there. well and I think yeah you know it's it's funny it's not something that I that maybe I've ever really talked about with anybody um, but which I picked up from doing the peer counseling training you know which is you know how do you how do you wrap the person back up right yeah. you know how do you you know how do you uh, set them set them up so that they can go out in the world and do what they need to do as opposed to like you know just, just dive in and open them more and more and more and more and then you know and then say, "Okay, well, get out of here, you know yeah, we're done. yeah and uh you know and and one of the things that i that I always do, especially in longer sessions where where it's easier to go deeper, is you know I have a clock sitting behind them so that they can't see that I'm looking at it per se, um, but so that I can look at them and be like, "All right, so you know now we're now we're an hour and ten minutes into our hour and a half." All right, it's time to start. It's time to stop delving, and time to start reconstructing. You know, and now we're ten minutes out. And how are they doing? And you know, what do I? How do I make sure that they've got some time to ask things and and you know, kind of clear stuff if they they're not holding things that they're going to walk out and be like, oh, you know, I should ask whatever. You know, and so yeah, there there's definitely can be this process, which I think is super helpful, uh, and certainly especially if people are are really really emotional about stuff you know yeah. yeah
1: yeah well I think you just put your finger on maybe the most important thing uh you know time management I've, I've got a clock right behind my client and then I've got a clock behind me so they can see as well because mm-hmm. I do think the worst thing is is losing track of time and then realizing like I haven't properly concluded you know the session Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's funny because I had, when I first started out, my clinical supervisor, he gave me the best piece of advice. He said, to be successful in mental health, two things, he said, time management and boundaries. Mm. That's what you got to be in control of. And, and I can honestly say that I, I really, I believe that's true. I mean, if I think about the most valuable things um, as a therapist that I need to be on top of, you know, um, managing the, the time... Because like you said, that how it ends, right, how that session ends carries a huge weight or it has a huge impact with what happens next, you know, after they leave. Um, and so rushing, again, whether it's a reader or a therapist, you know, it's uh, that by itself, I think, creates a sense of safety, you yeah. know, not rushing at the end. Um, and, and that, but it's also a boundary issue, right? Because I certainly have clients, whether it's tarot or in, they're in therapy, who... You know, let's say, again, because of the way they were raised or just, you know, whatever issues, they're, they're not going to respond to boundary setting. Mm.
2: You know,
1: I might be very explicit about, well, we've got an hour, this is when it ends, and they're just going to keep pushing, you know, to see what I do. And that's, I mean, it's an important test for me, you know, my own issues around boundaries. Yeah. Um, but it also teaches them that certain, you know, that boundaries are important, and that if I say X, I mean I mean, X.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and even you know, even just at a base level, right? You know, I I love getting like good present attention from another human being, right? And mm-hmm. you know, I I will, if if not reminded at times, just absorb that for as long as it will go. Sometimes, you know, because yeah. you know, I mean. Yeah, my my kids aren't giving me great attention, you know. My my partner is uh, is wonderful at giving attention, but our kids prevent that much of the time. So you know, mm-hmm. I find it's easy to to sort of end up in a space where you're like, someone's listening to me and hearing yes. me, and oh, and, you know, it, it's just even you know, even if it's not a like a boundary issue, there could be an exuberance issue as well, right? right? You know, Stick so, it up, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I hear well, and that's you know, again, that's that's why it, it's. And it's and part of it is it is a difficult commentary because I, I agree with you. You know, finding people who will listen to us non-judgmentally, you know, who will really give us uh, their full attention is is rare, right? That's um, so people, yeah. People really, like I said, soak that up.
0: Yeah. Speaking of boundary issues, despite my clothesline sign being up in the door being locked, somebody's uh, at the door. Hold on one second, okay? Sure. Boundary issue dealt with.
1: <laughs> That's- great yeah 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 so it's you know being a therapist or being a card reader um, you know I think often our own you know that saying we can only go as far as we've ourselves gone Mm I think that's um, so it does come to time management or boundaries or safety Mm -hmm. Um, the work we do ourselves I think plays a huge role yeah in, in what we do
0: so can I can I ask you what you do to keep yourself evolving and on track?
1: Oh, what do I do? And that's you know I think that's an important question because when when we're providing that energy for people, it can be easy to to not have the well you know stay full. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Um, well, I'm a musician, so I love to play music. That certainly fills the well. Um, I like to travel. I mean, I, I like the idea of, um, again, time management, right, carving out time for myself because, and I don't know if you find this as well, I don't know, you know, with you having a, uh, running a store, but for me, I, because I do a lot of things part time, my, my schedule book is very nebulous, it's very flexible. Mm. And and I know it's very easy for me to, let's say, block aside an afternoon for myself, but then as the calls come in or as things happen, to just schedule right over that. So, for me, um, I don't know, I, uh, Julia Cameron, she wrote a book called The Artist's Way, mm-hmm. which is an awesome book, but she talks about um, an artist's date every week. You know, every week, carving out time to do something by yourself that's creative, fun. Um, and making sure that nobody impinges on that, and so that—that that for me is really important. And and it's a ch- it can be a challenge, you know. I've got a daughter, and and my partner and I, you know, we juggle childcare. Um, but but for me, what is really important is making sure that I carve out that time. Um, love to read um, documentaries, um, and that and I think that's why I like tarot as well. Like, there's something, you know, when when you're hearing about a person's life or seeing it firsthand like that, just like tarot, right? You're, mm-hmm. There's nothing in between what's going on because you're engaging with the card. So for me, um, documentaries transport me to that world, which, you know, I, I love that. Um, walking, being in nature, that sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. really important. Um, what else? I've got two cats. So cat cat energy is really important. Um, and rest frankly I don't know the older I get the more important it is to just get a good night's sleep mm-hmm. you know so I don't know I just um I do a lot of things but I I know how important it is to avoid getting burned out because I again I think in the work that, and especially you know when we're around intense stories I mean I don't know i because I'd love to hear your your view on this I mean for me I'm you know keeper of the stories, right? People come in and they've got a story or they've got stuff Mm -hmm. they've been through, you know, these experiences more often than not, they're traumatic, you know, they're not happy experiences. And so like I have friends, I could never do this. You know, I have friends who are therapists full time and they see, you know, eight people or nine people a day, five days a week. And I just, I could not do that. I think, you know, being exposed to pain put such a burden on me to, to cleanse myself, you know, to protect myself. Um, again, I'm you know, people telling me secrets, right? They haven't told anybody else. Um, so I, 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 try my best to create, um, a healthy way or healthy ways to manage kind of being exposed to a lot of pain and grief.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: curious, do you have, you know, when you're, let's say encountering painful, stories or issues how do you as a reader keep yourself healthy
0: um yeah i mean certainly right like i I really resonate with that you know people people bring the 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 worst stuff you know sometimes right and um you know yeah it's it's really some of it can be incredibly tragic too which is you know like the the In theory, being a reader is great because we can say, hey, you know, do this and life will be better. Uh, Uh But sometimes your person's life is like, yeah, Yeah. you you are exactly as stuck as you feel. And, you know, man, I'm sorry to say it, you know, and like, let's see what we can do to help you cope. Let's see what we can do to start wiggling so that maybe in, in months or a year you can have more momentum. You know, who knows, right? Like, but you know there there are these things right or as you say people have been through just something really traumatic right you know um like you know especially like lots of people seem to end up coming to see me who've uh suffered like a loss of someone really important to them you mm-hmm. know and um so you know i mean no, number one is uh is is i i try and stay clear and clean on my own issues as much as possible right you know I, I get together with my with and do some of this attention stuff you know regularly i you know i i try and check in with myself um you know and, and see where i'm at uh, you know i try and make sure that I am sort of uh clear and able to be present without you know, having, having stuff easily be triggerable in me. So that's, that's kind of like the first thing that I do. Yeah. Um, second thing that I do is, uh, I read this blog post by this guy. He's like a business guy, but he's also like was training for marathons and, yeah. and he wrote this piece about, um, uh, the most important run is his like recovery run, which is where he just goes out and runs like barely more than a walk, but like for half an hour to like, just move everything out of his system um wow. so most saturday nights after work unless there's something else going on um i i take my time leaving the store like the store closes at six but i might not get out of here till seven thirty or 8 because i'm just going through and checking in on myself and you know energetically cleaning and maybe physically cleaning and sometimes just sitting in the silence for a while and just letting it all leave you know and then uh and then i go to the gym um and sometimes i go to the gym and just sit in the sauna and maybe float in the pool and sometimes i work out it just depends you know it's like one of those like but i, I pretty much always go to the gym and you know sort of have a physical reset um yeah. and then and then i'll go to this place for for dinner you know and just by mm. myself and just go and sit and you know eat some food and you know whatever and you know so it's like this sort of prolonged exit because what I realized was that uh, in the absence of that, you know, when my when my youngest wakes me up at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning and I am expected to be up and be present and be excited about whatever is going on, it, it was not happening very smoothly for a while there before I started putting in this kind of exit. So now I, now I do that as kind of a, a thing, you know. And depending on the day that I have depends or the week I've had depends on how much I need that, you know. Um, yeah. And then, and then other stuff that I do is, you know, um, you know, be physically active, uh, try and spend some time in nature. You know, it's great. We have a garden out front. So that certainly in the summertime has me, has me set for that. Um, but even at that, like there's a ravine near the store that's, um, you know, full of birds and other things and I'll cycle through there or go and sit there for a while, you know, as part of my reset or, or on my way in even, Um, you know, so yeah, those kinds of things, but yeah, but, but predominantly work on my own stuff, you know, and, and also, I mean, one of the things that I do to stay enthused and excited is have conversations like this, right. Where I, you know, where like the podcast came out of wanting to connect with people around tarot in a way that was not, that was neither teaching nor, um, uh, you know, reading as such, you know? because um yeah, because yeah. It, and I thought it was important, and, and it's been really enjoyable, and it, it really keeps me enthused as well, so yeah
1: and yeah, that's awesome that's yeah, I mean it's you know when you're doing something or you 've done something for so long, it is nice to disengage with other right other people, other perspectives, and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's it. it's, and thats it's funny, you say that because it makes me think about. Pamela Cullen Smith in her deck because, or, well, I know it's not just her deck. <laughs> um, well,
0: according to, to, to kind of more recent research, yeah. right? Uh, maybe most of it's her deck or much oh. of it's her deck, right? There you go. There you have, go. have you, have you read the, I'm trying to think of, of Marcus Katz and Tali Goodwin's book title, Secrets uh, of the Wait Smith, something like that? No, it's on my list. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 Cole's not, notes spoiler alert is uh, it seems like basically the uh, weight had input on the trumps, and for the for the minor cards he was basically just like go do them here's some ideas really? something yeah so i haven't i haven't uh, dug into it yet, but I've had the chance to talk with them uh, about it a few times and uh, yeah uh,
1: see that's cool because what i what what I've discovered over the past you know, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years, is that almost every time I spend time with that deck, I find something new, artistically, Mm -hmm. that she put in there that I I hadn't noticed before. And, I mean, I've looked through it pretty closely over the last decade, but that that to me is exciting. Like, that, it always, I'm always reaffirmed, and I'm always re-energized going through that deck and just continually blown away again just for me personally you know mm-hmm. i know it so differently but that to me is exciting you know having a tarot deck that i feel like every time i go back to it and really spend quality time with it i you know i'm continually amazed and surprised mm-hmm. That's Find, yeah and then yes this is so you know, this is so amazing everybody should you know know about this tool and should be using this yeah mm-hmm. it's so awesome yeah
0: yeah well it's you know i spent I spent the better part of 20 years reading with the Toth deck oh, wow. and still discovering new things that were not, you know, and still, and to some extent still discovering stuff in the writing that, that I hadn't seen the first time around And you know, sort of more recently with, uh, you know, being more into working with them, our side deck and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. there, there are always these revelations of, you know, Oh, this shape actually looks like this thing. And, you know, all of a sudden just, you know, the way, the way, uh, a line wiggles erratically in a place you don't expect reveals yeah. some other thing. And you're like, Oh, fascinating. That's the power of it. Right. That, that yeah. ability to, um, to, to see and then to project into it what, you know, what, what we need. Right. Yeah. 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 Do you watch, uh, orange is the new black?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm midway through the second season. Okay. So I'm, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I won't spoil it for you, but uh, okay. I know the
1: third one just started. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Um. Yeah, but uh, I I think that that idea of um. You know, to go back to the to the third party in the in the space thing, right? You know, you're saying the the cards and you and 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 them, you know, having having that there to to hold those projections, right? I think that yeah. that is is really really fruitful because, it, you know, I I do a lot of work where um you know, especially if I'm working with people on an ongoing basis, you know, we'll pull a deck and, you know, and, and I'll be like, okay, so what, what card do you like? You know, and they'll flip through the majors and pick one and we'll start talking about it. And, you know, that, that process of having them, uh, speak to something that is neither, neither me nor them, you know, yeah. becomes so revealing. It's really wonderful. And it can be so easy to to access stuff that way especially where people are are guarded or you know other things right
1: yeah well that's why i wrote the book because i feel that you know unfortunately tarot has all this baggage associated with it Um, especially you know depending on where you're living and how conservative you know religiously conservative the place is but i feel like um it is such an easy way to draw a person into a really important conversation you know Mm -hmm. why something's resonating with them is so telling and i feel that you know therapists because they're used you know people still do the rorschach Uh tests inkblot tests um there's something called uh, i think it's called the mari mari cards that some Jungians use which is like a deck of cards um with more with shapes Mm -hmm. there's a mandalas on it but um and and for that you've got a you have to be specifically trained in it. I mean, some people might not, I, I feel like it's like the tarot is such an amazing projective tool and it could be so useful and so efficient for therapists, especially therapists working with younger people. Cause it's very hard, you know, adolescents, especially
2: mm-hmm.
1: to draw adolescents out. And so having, you know, an array of decks and then, right. Just asking, well, which card do you like? Okay. Let's talk about it. That's so revealing. Um, but I think, again, depending on where a person works, um, just just the name, you know, tarot. And it's ironic, right? Of course, we all know, it. you know, history of it. It's very religiously based. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just, just what you were saying, I, I'm all for that use of tarot. You know, I'm just, yeah, going through it, not even, you know, picking a card, um, not knowing what that card is going to be, but, you know, deliberately picking cards, mm-hmm. going off of that
0: yeah yeah it's it's interesting you know because i when when I went down this road to becoming a tarot reader um I was sort of at this crossroads where i 'd been doing uh design and advertising, and oh, really? I was like just not liking it and not liking the 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 scene you know that i that I kept finding myself in and um so I was like well uh, can't make a living as a ceremonial magician, so gotta find something else that I could do, right? You know, and uh, and so I I was like, well, maybe I go be a therapist, right? You know, I'll become a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd gone to art school, and the school I'd been to had become accredited as a university. So I was oh. like, that would be great if I can if I can sort of round out some credits and get, a, a, you know, an undergrad, then I can apply. Directly to somewhere and get a master's and because here in Ontario, it's, um, it is colossally regulated now, like the use of the term counselor and like, like all of those things are, um, super strictly enforced and ever, ever more increasingly so, you know? And, um, and so, so I went and I, I did all my stuff to, to sort of see, and they're like, you need two years of school to complete your undergrad and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do two years, and especially because it was an art school, I would have to take them there. And so I'd like, I'm like, I can't go back and take two years of art history, and other things to round out my academic level of my, you know, whatever. Yeah. I was like, I just can't do it. And then you know, I was, I was like 28 at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, and I was like, well, maybe I can just apply directly to like the Jungian Institute or something like that. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, hey, you're not old enough yet. Really and I was not? like, well, be, um, maybe, you know, I, I still think maybe I, I think that I had lived more at that point than most people had, but nonetheless, right? So I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna get down this road and do this instead because, uh, right.
1: yeah. Well, and quite frankly, I think you probably have just as much freedom as, as a therapist in, in terms of the healing process. Mm-hmm. As therapists, we're we're heavily regulated in terms of again, if if a person is using insurance. Um, But I think as a tarot reader, there's so much we can incorporate. And then, because you mentioned ritual, right? Mm -hmm. And when you talk about ceremonial magic, and and because you know we all know that the reading is very ritualistic, and I think there's a lot of latitude as far as again, our clients have to be willing to meet us there, Mm -hmm. obviously you have to yeah. buy into it yeah but you know there's so much um we can do i, I think that's special you know the kind of this is this is not normal time right this is time out of time mm-hmm. right having the reading and then if there's things to do after the reading that they might do on their own um and it's very shamanic and i feel like that that part is sorely missing
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: sorely missing. yeah well, it's yeah.
0: always it's always fascinating to me um you know i I mean in some ways it's not surprising right because of because of who I am and how I am that these people come to me right but people yeah. people show up who you know like have no no sense of magic per se at all but uh, like uh, but they feel uh stuck in their life in a way that 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 they are starting to wonder if it is magically or spiritually based right you uh, know yeah. and um it, and so I always meet them at that place. I'm like, okay, well, let's okay. see, right? You know, and, you know, and and there are people who show up who seem like, you know, or even sort of say, you know, I I don't believe in any of that stuff. You know, we're doing the reading and kind of like kind of like the uh, you know the person like, yeah, you say that, but but the cards say this. What, what? you know, <laughs> like you know, and there come these point in the reading where I'll kind of just like look at them and kind of cock my eyebrow and be like, are you open to do something weird to try and fix this for yourself? And people, you see them look, and it's like, yes, yes, I am. I'm like, okay, good. And then awesome. we'll go, and then we'll open that door, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating.
1: That's awesome. Well, that's what it's about. I mean, I think that's, like I said, that that's what's missing. I think from mainstream, you know, quote unquote, healing mm-hmm. is that magical, ritualistic, creative place. Yeah, I think it's easier to do as a reader.
0: Hmm. For sure. Um,
1: yeah, because also you. I mean, ideally you are gonna you know self select wise. You know the clients who are gonna come, even if they're doubtful or skeptical. Hopefully there's a part of them. Yeah. That, you know, obviously you can hit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I, I find there there are obvious some people that I select out, um, but right. I but I often just assume that if people have come to see me, it's because they have come to see, you know, they, they've showed up and they've paid their money to enter the magical time, you know, yeah. the, 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 whatever the, the nonlinear time. I'm like, well, they're here. So let's see what happens with it, you know, as opposed to trying to be preconceived or, you know? Yeah. Cause, uh, cause people, all, <laughs> they, I mean, obviously there are people who are surprising in a disappointing way, but I find often people are pretty, uh, pretty interesting and, you know, quite, quite, surprising in what they're they're genuinely open to you know
1: mm, interesting yeah. well and it's i mean ideally a person is ready you know if they're at that point where they can admit okay things aren't working i do need to change mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm willing to pay the price i mean that's that's the thing right there's always a price to be paid It's kind of like hitting bottom as mm-hmm. a substance abuser right it's like am i willing you know am i so sick and tired of being sick and tired that i'm willing to do something that's totally out of my comfort zone
2: Mm -hmm. it's
1: not okay with things progressing as they are Um, but i but you know it's hard for people to to move out of their comfort zone typically
0: yeah yeah and and it's tough where people hit bottom you know sometimes that despair piece that can come with that you know just just continues to you know make it seem like there's no way forward as well which is you know which is probably it's that's probably the piece that i find uh hardest to to not get attached to myself right you know Mm -hmm. when someone has despair about the possibility of anything changing that's the that's almost the hardest thing for me to
1: release from a session with somebody yeah it's Mm -hmm. interesting i mean it's it's interesting you say that because i have um there's that old saying you know as long as there's life there's hope Mm -hmm. and what I've seen, it's been so interesting with, with my therapy clients is when I've seen people who are suicidal, who are just really in, you know, their lives are just awful. What's been so interesting is that often, even within a week, you know, as long as they don't give up, they, they will have had no way of predicting that actually things are going to change, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like, how do you, even at the depth of despair, somehow keep the faith not to end it all, so that you can at least be present for when things start to turn around. Because I, I think that that's what surprised me is that people you know, whose lives were going so so awfully, the next time I saw them, you know, something had happened that had made a difference. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even anything that they had done. Right? They were in their bad place, but but life, you know, everything passes, and and you know, good times, bad times, and and it's again, it's it's. I mean, sometimes working with whether it's a reader or a therapist to somehow tap into the faith that, again, this isn't going to be the way it's going to be forever, Mm -hmm. even though it's like that, right? Um, But yeah, just just the way life unfolds by itself. I I just, you know, so many times have just been amazed at how, again, people have been kind of nudged out of that dark place just, just, again, with nothing that they consciously did just because of things going on around them. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's just, and that's always affirming to me. Like, like okay, so you never know, right? You never know what the next moment holds, you know, for better or worse.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Unless you're psychic, in which case you do, I guess, <laughs> or sensitive. Some um, of the
0: time. Some of the time, you know.
1: <laughs> Some of the time, right? Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't know any psychics who've got, uh, you know, full-on technicolor real-time right projections into the future. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking as I was saying that like i don't know I mean some people have a, have more of a sense than others about what's what's around the corner, but um no it's uh eh.
0: yeah well you know and and often that comes from for me anyway, it comes from just being really present now right the yeah. more the more i 'm here and you know like yesterday I arrived at work, it was a release really, there's nobody on the schedule for the day, which rarely happens these days and you know, and whatever. And I just arrived and I was like, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, uh, you know, sure getting in my head about it and whatever. Right. And I was like, no, man, just do something, just do anything, you know, just keep, keep moving. Right. And so I, you know, so I, I washed the floors and I, you know, whatever. And you know, by the time I had, uh, uh, filled up the mop bucket and brought it upstairs, somebody had walked in and, you know, whatever, but you know, whether, whether it is, uh, causally linked or just keeps me busy until something changes, you know, it's, it's super helpful just to be like, all right, well, there's something that's got to be done. I am not, uh, you know, I I am not powerless to do anything here, even though maybe I can't go grab somebody on the street and be like, come in and give me some money, (laughs) you know, come in in and get a reading, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But see, that's funny you say that because that, um, that idea, well, it reminds me of the serenity prayer, Mm -hmm. right? you know, higher power, grant me the serenity to accept what I can't change, courage to change what I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I mean, I think often people get, or a lot of the clients that I get, let's say, get confused between those two things, right? Mm. They often feel like they don't have any power in a situation in which they do. And then, you know, the flip side is where they're they're trying to change something that they have no control over, right? Instead of making peace with it or shifting their, their perspective, they're banging their heads against the wall, trying to change something. Yeah, and I think, and that's, but I think the example you just gave was was perfect because in that situation, right? You you had a choice about where to put your focus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You you did what you know was within your power. That's what we I mean hmm yeah.
0: That's cool. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show.
1: Ah, you're welcome. It's been thank so you. fun
0: to hang out and chat with you. Yeah, likewise. And um, if people are are listening to this and they want to come and find you out right on the internet, where Did where you? where are you hanging out these days? What's the best place for them to to show up? And
1: well, I've got a website, um, which is simply Matzner dot com. So that is probably the easiest way to see what I'm doing and what I'm up to.
0: Awesome, great. Well, thanks again for being on.
1: Ah, oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Mm-hmm.
0: So, this is the end of part one um, there 's the the better part of another hour of this uh, conversation that continues from here. And, uh, I hope that you will tune in next week, um, or better yet, I hope that you will subscribe, uh, you know, through, uh, your RSS or through, uh, we're in iTunes under the Hermit's Lamp or in Stitcher under the same thing. And you can uh, catch all of these. You can also go to the website and listen to something like 30 or 40, uh, interviews with other astounding and amazing people. So, uh, please check it out. Please drop me a line. And, If you are looking for Mary, please head on over to marygreer.wordpress.com and check out what she has been doing there. She has an extensive blog that she's been doing for a long time with all sorts of astounding uh, articles and uh, historical things as well as techniques, uh, tools, and ideas. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week.